and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chambers. And today we're going five star all the way. Make that five green star, Michelle. <laughs> so true, Chambers. <laughs> Kia ora. <laughs> Kia ora. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Can you believe we're nearly at the end of the year? Absolutely Ooh. not. Um, where has this year gone? I have no idea, but firstly, a big welcome back to all of our listeners once again to the hottest tourism podcast in all of the land. <laughs> we can say that we keep hitting the charts, but we trust that everybody out there's had a great week and hopefully you're all joining us on the wind down to Christmas. I thought you said wine down to Christmas <laughs> well that that too <laughs> there's a bit of that going on I have seen quite a few of our industry mates able to catch up now that Auckland are kind of out of their lockdown and obviously the big news today is that Auckland is allowed out of Auckland today yes freedom <laughs> yes they can go out and visit all our tourism industry experiences and accommodation and Go live at large because we've been looking forward to having you. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that we shouldn't chat about the borders today, James, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit jaded, particularly after hearing Minister Nash say that we should prepare for another year of border closures. Mm. And it's now quite honestly getting just a little bit ridiculous. And sad. Yeah. You know? Especially for you, Michelle, with your family. Well, and, and you, you know, it's really hard. I'm start, I said to my mum the other day, I actually feel like we have less freedom now being fully vaccinated and the country sitting at 90% than we did when we were unvaccinated and had the trans-Tasman bubble open. So it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But anyway, let's not let's get not talk about that. It. <laughs> it just makes us... <laughs> We all feel the same. Makes us far too depressed. But anyway, Auckland, welcome back to the rest of New Zealand. Really happy to have you there. And hopefully you're now tuning into us in your cars as you escape somewhere more exciting than the supermarket. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly the way it should be. Anyway, we should keep it short and sweet and introduce today's guest because we are very excited to have Clinton Farley join us for a chat today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Clinton was awarded Australian Hotel General Manager of the Year in 2017. He is a skilled strategic business leader and board director. He holds a wealth of experience in tourism and hospitality, having worked within hotels, luxury lodges and resorts across mm -hmm. New Zealand and Australia. Clinton offers 22 years experience in the tourism and hospitality scene and is currently general manager at the Hotel Brittemart in Auckland. He's also the non-executive director for non-profit organisation Soap Aid Australia and New Zealand. And his experience in the tourism industry ranges from personal company, non-profit and local government directorship positions, as well as hotel GM and senior management roles throughout Australia and New Zealand. Wow, it's quite the profile, isn't it? We thought it'd be great to hear what it takes to open a five green star hotel in the middle of the global pandemic and a New Zealand owned independent hotel at that. And of course, we asked Clinton for some advice that you might find interesting in your career journey too. Yes, we certainly did. And 
everybody out there listening, mark next Wednesday in your diary as mm-hmm. well, because it is going to be a huge episode. We're celebrating 50 episodes of the Destinate NZ show. It's kind of a bit of a, a fluke that it landed on the final episode of the year, but we thought we'd make it a big one to celebrate. We have something very special planned for you. It would be fair to say that this is our biggest guest mm-hmm. that we've had on the show to date. And, you mm-hmm. know, we've pulled in some big tourism names, but we know you'll all want to tune in and listen to this. So we call it a world exclusive, shall we, Chambers? Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> but we're not going to tell you anymore. You're just going to have to tune in next Wednesday to see who it is. But we can just guarantee for your Christmas listening, it is going to be well worth it. Definitely. So sit back anyway, relax and put on those walking shoes and listen to us talk for your walk and enjoy the show. We'll see you next week. Kakate. So it's our great pleasure to welcome our next special guest, Clinton Farley from the Hotel Britomart. Kia ora, Clinton, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Lisa, and kia ora, Michelle. It's uh, great to be on the show today. Yeah, kia ora, Clinton, and it's so nice to see you again and have a chat. I would say that you're very well known in the tourism industry and particularly in the hotel sector. And we've got so many great things we want to chat to you about today. But can you just start by telling us a little bit about your background and where you've come from in tourism? My background? Well, I started in the hospitality industry around about 23 years ago. I actually started as a porter at the Carlton Hotel Auckland. At the time, I, I finished high school and I, I was actually tired of school, didn't like, didn't really like school. And I, I'd applied for uni. And at the same time of applying for uni, I, I created a CV with not a lot on it, really. And I dropped it around all the hotels in Auckland. And I got so many rejection letters saying, um, no, 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 no. And um the one that I got an acceptance from was the, the Carlton Hotel, which had recently changed from the Pan Pacific Auckland. So mm-hmm. the Carlton was New Zealand's largest five-star hotel at the time. It had mm-hmm. 455 rooms, a sizable conferencing and event spaces. And yeah, it was just, it was an old, I guess, a traditional style hotel with a beautiful big atrium, mm-hmm. uh, lot, lots of rooms and a, a really great hotel to start my career. As I said, I started as a porter and I, I took the opportunity to work my way around every department within the hotel. So from a porter to a concierge to a, a receptionist, a duty manager. Back then, hotels still had a department called communications, which was basically the telephone department. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you had always, it was always interesting having... You get such a range of people calling the hotels um, about all sorts of different issues. Uh, obviously, people within the hotel, some emergency situations, and then and then other just externally related calls, I guess. And then from communications, I went into I did a little bit of food and beverage, and then into reservations. And after reservations, I finished up in in the sales and marketing team. So yeah, I took the opportunity when I first joined hotels to really expose myself to every single department within the hotel and and. With with the idea of setting myself up to have a greater management role in my future years. <laughs> so I, I, after the Carlton, which I was there about eight years, I then worked my way throughout New Zealand. Um, 
from Auckland down to Queenstown for a number of years. And then obviously I know you from Taupo and Michelle, our time on the board of destination Great Lake Taupo. Yes. And, and then after Taupo, moved to another small town, very similar size to Taupo, Alice Springs, in the, the middle of Australia in the desert. <laughs> People often say to me, why on earth would I want to go to the desert? But it was everything I'd learned in Taupo about community and working in smaller regions and the importance of relationships, etc. was all of that was again applied in, in Alice Springs as I opened a, a one of the, one of the international hotels I worked for there. Mm-hmm. And then after Alice finished off Australia, about six years in Australia in Melbourne. So yeah, I've I've worked all around New Zealand, all around yeah. Australia. In my time, I've I've also become an Australian citizen. And then about a week after I became that, I moved back home just before COVID. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's quite a journey there Clinton so you're currently the general manager of the hotel Bridemart which was one of New Zealand's newest hotels so can you tell us a bit about what it's like opening a hotel in the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Lisa. We're, we're now one year old and amongst a few other hotels that also opened in the past 13 months. It was, mm-hmm. as you say, it was a very interesting time to open a, a new hotel with our, our international borders closed and domestic travellers not really being able to get around so much of late anyway. It's it's certainly provided its dose of challenges. But having said that, until the recent lockdown, we were actually tracking in a really good upward trajectory. So I I know that once we get out the other side of this and as the traffic light system comes into play and we work through that and ease up, I'm really confident that Kiwis will have that travel bug again. They Mm -hmm. love to get out and about around New Zealand. I guess one of our key strengths, though, opening in the last 13 months is is all about being a, a Kiwi-designed, built, owned and managed hotel. We're, we're very focused on sustainability as well mm-hmm. um, as New Zealand's first and only five Green Star rated hotel. And, and that really sets us apart from other hotels that have opened in the last 13 months. Mm-hmm. And as an independent hotel, we've had the ability to come up with our own values and service philosophies. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, that's really focused on delivering a very Kiwi service experience stemming from the essence of Manaki Tanga and really focused on Papatuanuku, Mother Earth. We, we just passionately love New Zealand, passionately love caring for things and making an impact at the end of the day. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds fabulous. Now, you mentioned the five green star rating that you've got for the hotel, and it has been described as New Zealand's greenest hotel. Can you tell us what that means and what went into building that and what makes it so green? Yeah, well, indeed, we're, we're really proud to be New Zealand's first and only five Green Star rated hotel, as you said, Michelle, which is an international accreditation. It's mm-hmm. managed locally here in New Zealand by the New Zealand Green Building Council. The five star green status means that the, the public and our guests, I guess, have a reassurance that we've done all the hard work and that sustainability is being focused on on a day-to-day basis within the business. The accreditation recognises the design, our build, as you said, the materials and the plant and the equipment and the ongoing day-to-day operation of the business, whether that be energy controls through to wastage and continued improvements in both social and uh, sustainable procurement. Mm -hmm. 
A, a few of the examples from the construction phase include our 150,000 handmade bricks, which, which used 80% recycled crushed concrete and roof court water to manufacture them. Wow. The paint that we chose in the hotel, the, the lighting, the, the windows obviously being double glazed. And, and another really cool thing about, about the Hotel Britomart is, is our state-of-the-art air conditioning and room control system. So when someone checks into the hotel, our property management system sends a message to that particular room that they're checking into. And it, it basically wakes the room up from hibernation. Mm, so right. pr- prior to that guest arriving in the room, everything's pretty much off or on low energy consumption. By the time the guest gets to that room, our automatic blinds have opened up, our lights are turned on to a preset image, the air conditioning is set on a preset limit as well. And whilst a guest is staying with us, obviously it, it saves their preferences. And mm-hmm. um, when they go out for the day, the room basically goes into a hibernation. Um, but when they come back and swipe their key, it, it goes back to how they've set that room up. So we've got some really great technology in the hotel yeah. and, and that really supports us to, to really maintain that five green star status. Another recent thing that we've been working hard on from an operational perspective is to introduce a social and environmental procurement policy. Mm-hmm. Um, And one of the key goals with that is to eradicate supplier plastic packaging by the first quarter of 2022. So we're we're working really closely with our suppliers that we don't want anything delivered in plastic packaging. And a lot of the suppliers have come back to us and they're really eager to support that. A couple of the suppliers that we buy our oysters from, they're like, well, how do we send oysters to you if we can't put it in plastic (laughs) packaging? But they've actually come up with great ways to as a workaround and yeah we're really excited about that mm, that's awesome yeah what a great initiative well done and what are you hearing as feedback from your guests so far I mean it's early days well I mean the hotel's been re- really well received guests love that we're that we're Kiwi owned and that we're supporting Kiwi business. Another exciting part of the lead up to opening was that I really focused on supporting local Kiwi business. In that lead up to opening, that was that first time we headed into a level four lockdown in New Zealand. And there was a lot of struggling small businesses out there. And I just, I just really loved the fact that I could support small business by buying locally mm-hmm. and a good amount of the things in our guest rooms about 80 percent of everything in our guest rooms is actually New Zealand made speaking to that for one second there's our, is our mini bar everything in our mini bar is New Zealand made wow. Um, oh, wow which is great from the chocolates to the obviously the beers to the we've got some pre-mixed cocktails made down in Wellington so a lot of our products is sourced from around New Zealand so Kiwis just love that fact you know over this COVID mm-hmm. period people have had a greater focus on buying locally made mm-hmm. kiwi things mm-hmm. I, I guess guests also love that we're environmentally and socially focused our, our goal is to really be a change leader within the hospitality industry being independent we we don't have to abide by big global brand standards etc if we come up with an idea of something we want to do we just do it you know and that allows us to be nimble and and change with the time another another fact of why people love staying with us and, and the feedback is our restaurant kingy so kingy king has been very well received as well and the reason being is that we have a 100 focus on sustainably caught fish in in that restaurant we know each and every 
one of our, our fishermen and our fisherwomen by name. We know the boat the fish was caught on. And one of the key points is having confidence that our fish were not caught in mass nets. They were either line caught or box caught in, in small quantities that obviously preserved our New Zealand fisheries for, for years to come. And I guess the final point is that we like to think that we're in one of the best parts of downtown Auckland being Britomart. And the whole concept behind Britomart is showcasing the very best of New Zealand fashion, food, design and culture. So it's just the perfect place for the Hotel Britomart to be. Yeah, awesome. I, I absolutely think it is Clinton because it's such a striking building as well. So it's lovely when you walk through that precinct. And I've loved watching Britomart grow over the years and into that really cool Kiwi place to go. So mm. yeah. Yeah, well, from a 19, 19 or so years ago, Britomart was just a run-down, derelict old uh, downtown bus station with a, mm. a whole lot of derelict buildings with the, the stories say that they had pigeon poo to the, the window sills. <laughs> and Britomart, you know, the Peter Cooper, the chairman of Britomart, and obviously our owner, had such a great vision of how he could create a downtown neighbourhood that really showcases the best of New Zealand and, and is a place that every Kiwi can come to. So, yeah, we, we really love it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Now, you mentioned a couple of times that you are an independent hotel. Can you mm -hmm. talk us through what's involved in launching an independent hotel where you don't have the backing of the big chains to, to draw upon? And how have you taken the Hotel Britomart offshore and what's the feedback you're getting from the international markets? Yes, yeah, so we're an independent hotel owned and managed by obviously myself with the support of our owners, Cooper and Company. We do have an affiliate agreement with TFE Hotels though. So TFE are an Australian hotel company with, with hundreds of hotels across Australia, Europe and a few in New Zealand but when I say independent we do have a, a full management team at the hotel so I have mm -hmm. a sales team I have a marketing team and obviously my marketing manager also looks after PR and, and everything digital marketing as well. Over, over the last year obviously with most of the international borders closed for the last 18 months we've very much had a focus on the domestic market however obviously the Australian market was open for a, a couple of months. One, one of our key channels these days as the world's evolving is a lot of digital uh, marketing and digital advertising so we're really proud that we stimulate a lot of direct bookings into the hotel hotels often uh, have a, a higher weighting of OTAs or online travel agents booking into the hotel but we've managed to successfully drive direct bookings with obviously still the support of OTAs but I guess we've managed to do that by gaining a level of trust with the consumer and, and trust with people looking at our brand I guess back to your question though, what goes into creating a brand as an independent hotel or creating awareness? We had a really strong focus on who we wanted to be, our vision, our purpose, our, our service deliverables. So ensuring that the team were really conscious and aware of that and trained well and that that brand we have out of market is that we're always delivering to it. We want to be New Zealand's best hotel. We know that we're New Zealand's only five green star hotel. We are Kiwi owned, designed, built. And, you know, we're just so proud of being, being Kiwi and we just want to really showcase the, 
the best of New Zealand and Auckland to anyone that that stays with us or visits in Britomart. So I guess we we do lean on the TFE uh, through our affiliate agreements as well, and they support with particularly that Australian Ma because we just have our team here in Auckland. But as we know, it's very much domestic at the moment, and we can't wait until the border. <laughs> I can't wait like everyone until the yeah. borders reopen and we can share this beautiful country with 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 everyone. With our international guests again, yeah. Tell me about okay. it. So, Clinton, you recently led the way by introducing a vaccine mandate for your staff um, and guests in your hotel. So describe for me the process that you went through to get to that decision and how's it going so far? Well, yeah, it was an interesting process. There wasn't wasn't too much guidelines around things, what we could and couldn't do when we when we started working on this. But, you know, at the end of the day, we looked at our business and we decided that the health and well-being of our team is always going to be first and foremost in any consideration that we make as a responsible employer. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, we, we wanted to ensure that we provided a safe working environment and, and conducted a risk assessment, which was recommended by WorkSafe New Zealand. Uh, we, we did that with our team to identify all the risks with each of the positions within the hotel. And it was, it was determined that every single role in the hotel from whether that be a rooms division related role, accommodation, food and beverage, sales and marketing or administration in general, everyone had a high risk. And and the reason being for that is that we are a small hotel. We have 104 rooms. I have 75 employees, but um, we have a culture that everyone gets involved in everything and everyone supports one another. So for example, on a a busy day, I might be parking a car or I might be be clearing a table in Kingy. Ultimately, the risk assessment identified that every position in the hotel was high risk and obviously a, a mandate was required to protect our team initially. So the mandate was that all team had to get a vaccine mm-hmm. um, to protect their health and well-being whilst in, in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And, and from the team, obviously it was a natural step that once our team had been fully vaccinated, then we'd need the requirements for our guests and our suppliers and our contractors to be fully vaccinated as well to protect our team. And at the end of the day, it was all about creating a, a a bubble where mm. anyone that wants to come and visit us, whether they're a guest or they're a restaurant patron, they can have a reassurance that everyone has been vaccinated. Yes, and, and of course, that vaccinated people can potentially pass on COVID-19, but it's they're less likely to do so. So yeah. we just wanted to provide the most safest experience we could at the hotel. Yeah. Mm. And look, I I really commended you on that when you made that announcement, because I think there has been a lot of confusion, particularly in the tourism industry. And I know the hotel sector has been pretty vocal about the hospitality part of the hotel, which is really just defined as the restaurants being Mm. under that government mandate. But as you say, you're working across different parts of the hotel. I know even when I stay in hotels, you walk down a corridor and you come in pretty close contact with housekeeping staff. And yeah, so I think it it does sound like a really sensible solution and and, um, the right way to go. What's the feedback been? I mean, obviously you've had your staff work through that process. What feedback have you had from your guests? Has it been overwhelmingly positive? Have you had a little bit of pushback? 
It's, yeah, it, it, on the whole, we've received really positive supporting feedback. However, of course, like everything, you, you do receive mixed reviews and feedback. Yeah. <laughs> over, that, over that day, I did an interview on Radio New Zealand and we had a few press releases. I did uh, get some very interesting feedback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've probably not ever had that experience in my life before, but yeah. I, yeah. Guess, I guess each, each and every one is entitled to their own opinion. Mm. Our opinion at the hotel, but in that, and our goal at the Hotel Britain Art was just to provide a, a safe environment for people. And, and as I said before, first and foremost, focused on our team as a responsible employer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Michelle, that whole, you just brought up then that whole word of hospitality. And that's a really interesting, interesting thing that the government have done with separating restaurants from hotels. Because at the end of the day, hospitality is one of the oldest industries in the world. Mm. And hospitality started as a accommodation mm-hmm. so for the government to separate hotel which was the first thing of hospitality ever in the history yeah. of the world yeah. Uh, yeah. into a restaurant and a hotel is is just mind-boggling yeah <laughs> i know questions are whether they got it completely right but i guess we'll work through that together and work that out so what do you think clinton your biggest challenge this summer is going to be well, oh, reopening without international borders. I think that's going to be our, our, our biggest challenge. Obviously, with the update with international borders opening to Kiwis from January and then international for others from April, I think, you know, that seven-day isolation period is going to be a bit of a challenge. And I, I think it, it's going to take some time now for us to recover and, and see that the numbers of tourists that we previously had come back. Mm. So I guess the key one is still heavily relying on a domestic market for at Mm. least the first two quarters of next year. There's obviously a lot to do in Auckland. I think sometimes people don't realise in a domestic market how much there is to do in Auckland. Mm. And maybe we don't always promote that well enough. So whilst I'm saying we're going to be really challenged with not having that international market, I think getting around that is about promoting Auckland better to that domestic traveller. And mm-hmm. we've got some fantastic West Coast beaches mm-hmm. up here. Mm-hmm. You can go for a trip over to Waiheke Island. Auckland, for most Kiwis, has a bit of a stigma about being a big city and there's not a lot to do, but there actually is. And um, we're just about to launch a, an amazing new package for our landing suites, which will include a helicopter trip up to our sister property, the Bay of Islands. So I, I guess there's challenges out there, but then there's also the opportunity to really think outside the square, come up with new products, come up with new innovations. And that's really, the, that's how we, we're going to attract the market. Yeah, definitely. And I think there'll still be, whilst I think the border announcement has made it easier for Kiwis to leave and go over I think there'll still be a lot of nervousness around that because COVID's by no means over and we're seeing it come back in fourth and fifth waves in, in a lot of countries around the world. So I do think there's people sitting here with money looking for really unique experiences, almost those money can't buy experiences. And mm-hmm. I think your hotel fits perfectly into that. So I think you guys are in a, a pretty nice space. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. No, we're, we're really excited about the future. And as I said before, you know, before this particular COVID situation, most recently, we were actually doing, we were climbing up each month since we opened and doing really well. So I'm, I'm confident, you know, once we get out the other side of this, Kiwis will get traveling again. And yeah, we're in for a good Kiwi summer.
Yeah, let's hope so. And now one final question on a personal level. I know you're also involved with the charity So Paid. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you became involved? Because I think it's a great story that we need to share. Of course. Well, SoPaid, SoPaid was an organisation that a- approached me a number of years ago in, uh, when I'd moved to Melbourne. It came door knocking. Back then, SoPaid used the voluntary force of uh, Rotary International in Australia to try and market what, what they were doing. And um, at the end of the day, SoPaid is an organisation based in Melbourne, uh, but we also now operate in New Zealand and the USA. And we recycle discarded soap bars from hotels. So uh, obviously a lot of hotels still have a cake soap soap bar. It, it, it probably only gets used once or twice if you, you stay at a night at a hotel. And then from mm-hmm. there, it, it just gets generally sent to landfill. So we collect soaps from hotels throughout Australia, New Zealand and the US and we take that back to our manufacturing plant and it's a fairly simple process really. We we put that soap through a big grinding machine. It, it grind. Sometimes soap has been sitting around for a little while before it gets sent back to Soapade and it's a bit dry so then we add a little bit of moisture to that mm-hmm. and it gets forced through a, a, a compression chamber I guess and then extruded out the other side on this big long conveyor belt it's really amazing to watch if you jump onto the mm. soapaid.org website and then as it's getting extruded out it gets chopped up into these soap bars we don't put it in individual packaging we put it into one big box and then that soap is delivered to communities in need throughout the world and I guess back to how I got involved is I, I that soap had come door knocking to me to say if my hotel would like to get involved. Mm-hmm. And next minute I was asked to I was to be on the board, which I've been on for around about seven years. And over that over that seven years, since SOPAD was started in 2010, actually, we've diverted 290 tonnes of soap from landfill. So otherwise it would have wow. just gone landfill. We've distributed 2.9 million bars of soap globally. And, and that's gone to places, for example, closer to home here is obviously Western Australia, out into Aboriginal communities. We've sent it to Fiji after cyclones, Cambodia, Somalia, Uganda, Zambia, Philippines. Oh. And, you know, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, India and Indonesia. So there's a lot of places that our soap has gone to. And rather than, I guess it's just an example of repurposing something that would generally go to landfill and doing some better good for other people. So we've Mm. supported around about 500,000 children and adults with soap over the last 10 years. So a a really good story. and I don't think we realise living in a first world country like New Zealand that soap is just so important in the health and hygiene mm-hmm. of everyone. I guess we've, we've come to know that a little bit more in the last 18 months <laughs> with COVID around. There's been a lot of hand washing signs up around the place to remind us we'd, we'd become a little bit lazy before, I think. But there's diseases like trachoma, which is a blinding disease mm. in, 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 throughout the world in some of these countries, including Australia. And just simply washing your hands with soap can avoid you getting trachoma and so many other diseases. The number one killer for young children under the age of five in the world and and third world countries mainly is actually diarrhea. Mm. So um, just being able to wash hands prevents diarrhea and saves life. There's over one million children under the age of five that die each year because of preventable childhood diseases. So yeah, soap is great. People should wash their hands and we love, (laughs) and we love, we love the hotel hotels that support so paid and that the impact that we're able to make globally yeah that's awesome yeah it's a great story I loved when you first got involved with that and I did a bit of research on it and I thought it's just it's such a simple idea 
mm-hmm. but making such a huge impact and yeah just awesome anyway clinton that ends our um questions for today so thank you so much for joining us it's been great to have a chat with you and i'm really looking forward to the borders opening back up and not just the international borders but obviously our auckland border as well so we can come up and see you and come and check out the hotel brita mart so we wish you all the very best over summer Awesome. Thanks, Michelle and Lisa. Hey, great to talk to you. And, you know, it's people like you guys that have really helped to support our industry over the last 18 months. You know, I know the Destinate NZ, the, po- the podcast originally started as just something fun to do. But, and, and there's a little break in, be- break in between, but it's, it's great being able to share stories like this and keep people encouraged and a uh, bit of a pat on the back every now and then. It's been tough for our industry mm-hmm. and well yeah. done to you guys for running the podcast. So thank oh, you. Thanks. Content. Oh, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, awesome. See you later. Thanks. Bye, Kate.